Hi everyone and welcome to the Perma Podcast. It's really great to be with you all again. It's James Prescott here, I'm your host and i um, got a very special guest with you today. Um, she's kind of a neighbour of mine um, and her name is Claire Musters. Um, she's an author and a speaker. Um, we're going to be talking about um, her new book, Taking Off the Mask um, and hearing a bit of her story. And I know she's got a lot to say, so I'm really excited about this. We're sitting in her dining room at the moment um, with creaky chairs and cats walking about. So um, yeah, There um, might be some weird noises in the background. <laughs> yes, that was Claire. So hello, Claire. Welcome. <laughs> hello. <laughs> um, so, yeah, tell us a bit about, just kind of, before we get into your book, just kind of what you do, who you are, like, kind of what you do. Okay. Uh, introduce um, yourself a little bit. I am, as Jane said, I'm a writer and an editor and a speaker. I actually come from a um, book publishing background. Um, mm. So I was an editor in a publishing company. Um, but um, over the years, I've diversified and I've done a lot more writing. I, I do a bit, of, a bit of both and I do more speaking now. And it's just great to have that variety. But I've also recently become the um, Premier Christianity Magazine's freelance news and features journalist. So I do a lot of work for websites and magazines um, and, yeah, pretty much write on lots of different subjects um, and still keep my hand in editing lots of books and obviously the magazine that I'm involved with now too. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, and um, I've read your blog. It's an amazing blog. It's um, clairemasters.com, I think it is. Um, And, yeah. Claire's a great writer and she's very got a lot of wisdom and a powerful story. So I'm looking forward to hearing a bit more mm-hmm. of it. So, so tell us a bit more about um, the book and the st- kind of the story behind the book, like the story that your bit of your story that you talk about in the book. Yeah, well, actually, I mean, the story is about from about 16 years ago, and um, I think it's probably taken that amount of time for us just to have mm. a bit of space and some healing and um which I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute but the actual the idea of it coming into a book form um happened about three two and a half three years ago and I know um book publishers hate it when um writers come to them and say oh god's told me to write a book but actually that is what happened I was sat in a um in a lecture about preaching actually and God just really spoke to me about the fact that he wanted me to start speaking about our story but that he wanted me to write it down first and the story in there is not it doesn't take up the whole book but Mm. the beginning of um the beginning of the book does tell my story and the reason why I've written a book about authenticity um so it's actually it was born out of a very difficult time in my marriage um and a time mm. where I was very lonely and um, sad and looked in all the wrong places, basically, for um, to feel accepted and loved and fulfilled. Um, and there was a, a point in our marriage where I just thought I couldn't deal with it anymore. My husband was a record producer, so he was pretty much working around the clock seven days a week. Mm. And I didn't see him. And that went on for quite a few years. And we both found it difficult right from the start, but we just kind of kept going. And I'd have a meltdown every probably once or twice a year and say I just can't deal with this and we didn't really know what else to do but the sad thing is looking back um we didn't really feel like we could talk to anybody because everybody else's lives seemed like they were all so Mm. together um so we never really got the help that we should have done um and so right at the moment where we were helping to start a new church I just thought I can't do this um and I actually left uh with another man which was all very quick and very sudden 
Um, and that didn't last very long, but it was at that moment when he decided that God had told me how to go back to his wife that I just realised there I, I felt, uh, I think I say in my book, I just felt totally naked and exposed. Everything had been ripped away from me um, and I knew it was all my doing. Um, and that was the start of my journey to obviously rebuilding my life, but also learning that we all wear so many masks all the time mm. and actually God doesn't want us to be doing that that actually when I came back to church I had to face my church family which was the hardest thing I've ever had to do but they were so full of grace and love and mercy they were wonderful um, but I, as I started going back into church God just said to me I want you to stay this vulnerable and I was just I said oh, I can't do this and I, I didn't mm. really quite know why it felt so uncomfortable and then and then I realised everybody else was wearing masks Mm. And I think as a church family, we've gone on a big, long journey with this over the years. But that's when he started talking to me about all the different types of reasons why we do wear masks. And I've been on a, I've been learning about those over the yeah. years, which is why I've, I think now, having had 10, 12 years where I've probably been actually hearing from him about it, it's just felt like now was the right time that I actually feel like I've explored this enough that I could write something yeah. that I thought might hopefully help other people. Yeah. So that's where I've got to this point now. Yeah. So, what masks? Well, first, what masks were you were you putting on? Well, for me, um, sorry, you were, that was the first part of the question. Yeah, it's a two part. <laughs> what masks were you putting on? And then, what masks did you start to see in other people once you started to understand this kind of concept? Well, I think, I mean, I I know that there are other books out there that actually do name different masks, and and I thought, do I go down that road? And and then I, the more I thought about it, I thought we actually all have very personalised masks. And I think it's the reasons behind them that's the important thing. Mm. But I do, I do say in my book, I knew I was hiding behind a victim mentality. That everything that was I'm, I was finding difficult in my life was um, somebody else's fault. I didn't really take responsibility for it. Um, mm. But I also hid behind the "I'm very capable, I can do everything, I'm Superwoman" type mask. Um, right. And. And I got on and did loads of things. I was a life group leader. I was in the worship team. I was holding down a busy job. I was very capable. Um, but I think I was keeping myself busy because there was yeah. hurt in there I didn't want to deal with. Yeah. Um, and um, I think just coming back into church and seeing, um, I probably wouldn't be able to pinpoint exactly what everybody's masks were, but it was just a case of you can just tell when people are hiding. You can tell when there isn't that openness. Mm. Um, and, I mean, I make the point in my book, we can't be super open with everybody. You have to be doing it in a, yeah. a relationship of trust. And it's not appropriate to go around when you've only just met somebody or you're not very close to them and spill yeah. out everything that's going on in your life. Sure. But yeah. you can tell when people are closed rather yes. than open. It's your whole, yeah. whole approach. So, yeah, that's... Yeah, I find that really interesting. This is something I'm exploring actually in my own journey right now. It's kind of, I'm not using the same language, but I've noticed that we all have, like for me, it's, you know, um, all the bad habits that I have, you know, overeating and um, even just like, just escaping and binging out in front of Netflix to something that I've seen a million times before or anything just uh, these are all kind of escapes mm. they're all kind of escapes from and for me it's loneliness um you know i'm going to be talking about this in a future episode with some other people about loneliness and how how um 
you know, how many people, how so many people are lonely and we don't mm. really talk about it and we cover it up. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's, and all these things, are, all these things are masks that we put on. Yeah. And um, I think I had a, quite a few years where I was on a bit of a hamster style um, life when I worked um, in a publishing company in London and my husband's hours and mine never coincided. So I'd be leaving the house as he just came back from an all night session. Right. And then he'd sleep in the day, start again mid afternoon. And I was in work all day and I ended up just staying up in London every night, drinking in bars with workmates until the end of the evening and then come back, fall into bed just to get up and do it all over again. And I was a Christian, but I was just, I was so lonely that I was just filling yeah. up my time doing things that weren't helpful to me. Yeah. But it was just a way that there was this gaping hole. And I yeah. And I, and I say in the book that actually when I cried out to God and say, why did you bring us together when you knew that my husband just wasn't going to be around? And he actually said, I want to be your husband. I want to teach you what it is to be loved. And said all this stuff to me in some, based in some passages in Isaiah. And I just, I think it's one of the, the things that we find difficult um, if there's something that's not right in front of you. And I, I just said to him, I need my husband. I need somebody I can hug. I need somebody who's there. Um, and you just seem like you're out there and I can't touch you. Um, and, I, and I think we see it all the way through the Bible with the Israelites as well. It's just God, just the, sp- the spiritual thing. We, we tend to jump on the thing that's instant, that's immediate, that's physical quite often. But yeah. actually we've got a much deeper spiritual need and it's harder, it's much harder work to get to that place um, mm. spiritually. But So we settle for that quick fix, which doesn't satisfy us and isn't very good for us. And we see it right the way through the Bible. And we can judge the Israelites so much for looking to the wrong source and forgetting what God had done for them so often. But we all do it ourselves in the, in the different mm. masks and, yeah. as you say, the different habits that we have. Mine was just keeping myself super busy because I didn't want to feel yeah. that loneliness. And it's an addiction. Again, workaholic, being exactly. a workaholic, it's an addiction. Yeah. Well, addictions, they're kind of coping mechanisms, basically. They're just yeah. ways we medicate ourselves to deal with, to cover up from, like, the pain, cover to cover up from the, having to deal with our issues and actually confront them because confronting them is too painful mm. um and i have to say yeah. i mean I, I another thing that i point out in the book is that actually i don't think god is in the business of ripping masks off people's faces mine happened mm. to me in a very dramatic way but it was after a series of god trying to speak to me trying to get through to me and i mm. ignored him and then it had to be a dramatic um and i, I kind of i talk about a few biblical characters that i feel an affinity with now um, and i feel actually God had to do that with me because he loved me so much he wanted to save me and um, save me from myself in a way and I wasn't listening but I actually think he's a lot more of a gentleman and he does it and sometimes our masks it just they get prized off bit by bit and I talk about it a bit like an onion layer that actually mm. some of the deep issues we've got um, he works on them to a to a certain extent and and then kind of leaves us until he knows we're ready to cope with the next deeper bit and just takes off another layer. Yeah, um, it's like, like slowly peeling off an onion. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, layer by layer. And I think his yeah. grace, he's so gracious in the way that he does that. And, and my, mm. my story is quite dramatic, but it was after a lot of years of turning my back on not wanting to deal with it. And it had to kind of come to a crisis for something to happen. Yeah. And, and I thought, I mean, there are, there are things in there that I, um, I go through lots of things, um, issues that I think can cause us to hide behind masks like disappointment fear of rejection um, and a lot of them are identity issues and and I say I 
I speak about identity a lot. I've obviously written about it a lot. And I kind of thought, like, I must have dealt with this now because I've done so much and I've been mm. through so much. Yeah. But it was actually as I was writing the book and my daughter went through a really difficult situation with some school friends. And it was kind of mirrored with some school mums with me. Um, and it really hit my heart. And I thought, wow, mm. some of these deep wounds, actually, when something crops up, you think, wow, I can still feel that. And watching my daughter yeah. go through the same kind of thing. And I said, like, wow, God, I really thought I'd dealt with this. But actually, there's obviously still something in there that you still need to put some healing on because it is, it's causing me to react a little bit still. Um, and, and he knows us better than anybody. Um, and I yeah. think, as I say, there's those the deeper layers that even when we think we've got... When we're never perfect till we get to heaven, are we? But even when we think we've dealt with an issue, there can sometimes be little things that crop back up. And in oh, his grace, he definitely. helps us deal yeah. with it, doesn't he? I mean, I've definitely felt that. I've been dealing with the last couple of years have been me working through a lot of my mm. stuff and and um but i still get triggered a lot by the same things and um i can still sense it in myself that i'm getting triggered um i think the difference that i've noticed is that because i've worked through it all i can almost stand back from myself and mm. even though I'm, st- I'm still feeling it the wound is still there but i'm standing away from it almost mm. kind of I'm still experiencing it, but I'm still experiencing it from a distance in a sense so that I can somehow manage it. Yeah, so you feel like, mm. I actually think I know what I'm, how, what, how I'm supposed to deal with this, yeah. what I'm supposed to do now. So mentally I can kind of say, yeah. this is what I'm going through, this is why I'm feeling this, this is what I'm feeling. Okay, let's just acknowledge that but um, and find a way just to work through it. And, yeah. Do you know, so yeah, I love journaling um, and I find yes, it really um, positive too. and it's great to remember things, but... <laughs> But the annoying thing about journaling is when you can look back over the years and think, oh my goodness, I thought I dealt with that issue. And it's in there again. And it's in there a couple of years later. Um, but there is usually a progression. But actually sometimes I can look and think, wow, God, does it really take me this long to work something out and to get over something? But yeah, I think, yeah, it does take time, doesn't it? And Yeah. And what did this teach you about, um, about God? Like, how did this impact your relationship with God? What, what happened? And in your terms of your spiritual journey, how you, yeah, how you interact with God, your relationship with God, how did that all change and, and get impacted by your experiences? Um, I had a period of time um, after um, I'd left and then the other person had left me that I actually moved back down to my parents' house. Um, and I... I used to go and walk along the beachfront there. I've never really been one for the seaside, but I mm. actually used to love going um, and just watching the waves crash. Um, yeah. And just the enormity of that. And it just made me... It kind of helped me put things in perspective because when you have a crisis and it just completely disrupts your whole life, you can get incredibly me-centred. And I was thinking, like, well, who am I? I had no idea I was capable of doing that, but I have no idea that any of the segments of my life that I thought I had, I don't know if I've got any of those. I don't know if I can salvage anything. So I was questioning everything and, and it was getting very, very introspective. Mm. Um, and I, I used to like just going and looking at, um, at the sea crashing and just thinking, well, in the grand scheme of things, I'm this tiny speck, absolutely tiny speck. I'm so insignificant. And yet, as I watched those crashing waves, God then started pouring his love back into me and saying, and yet, I love you exactly as you are I accept you exactly as you are and it was just a, it was a real fresh revelation of the father's love and just mm. 
really exploring his father's heart. And I think worship helped me a lot. I've always loved music. I've always been involved in worship. And just having that sense of communing with him on that level. Um, but it was, I think, when you've had everything taken away and you're... <laughs> Yeah. Whether it's whether it's through difficult circumstances or whether it's through your own big fat mistakes like it was with me, when you are stripped of everything, that's when you realise actually I've still got the most important thing and that's the love of my heavenly father. Um, so we've also got an incredibly noisy heating system, which is probably you can yes. probably hear. Yes, I can hear. Yeah, picking up on the microphone. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it was a hard time, but I, I do remember afterwards, I thought, I have never felt this close to God and I'm never going to lose this. I can remember actually saying that to myself when I moved back home and um, my husband and I were back together. And of course, life comes in and I, every so often I think back to that and think, wow, I've moved so far away from that and how can I get back to that? I'm just spending time examining myself. Um, but so I think when you lose it all, God is very gracious and, yeah. um, and very close to you and close to the brokenhearted. I mean, it says so in Scripture. And yes, I think it it's, does. It's yeah. so true. Um, and I didn't deserve it. But I think it, it really taught me a lot about his grace as well because we're all sinners. We've all fallen short um, and none of us deserve it. And actually to have that, I, I actually I talk um, quite candidly in the book about how my husband too I don't know why I keep referring to him as my husband but Steve um responded to me and I say actually it's the way that he responded to me that taught me and revealed Jesus love to me in a way that I'd never known before um and made me realize how much that he Steve loves me too um I, I, I don't quite know how obviously God um helped him and equipped him to be as loving as he was and that he was able to give me space as well um, just to deal with things and to get over my heartbreak and um but yeah I think he really revealed God's love to me too um and it's wonderful and has given us um a, a whole new area of ministry as well I mean as soon as it was amazing as soon as we came back we'd had counseling we renewed our wedding vows we'd faced everybody um at church and then the door started knocking, the phone started ringing of people saying, we're actually really struggling. Could we just come and talk with you? Could we pray with really? you? And just because, I guess, I mean, mine had been a huge public mistake, but since then, and since that time, Steve's no longer a record producer. He's um, a pastor. But we've always felt called not to share everything with everybody, but to keep that openness, to keep that vulnerability, to keep that authenticity um, and it, it seems to um, to help others. It's like, well, if you're doing that, that, that means I can admit where I'm struggling. That can, mm. means I can admit that I haven't got a rosy, shiny, Sunday best face, that actually right. I'm really struggling yeah. at the moment or there's real difficulties. I mean, I'm going through a really tough time. My family has had a very hard year. Um, my sister's had a really horrible year and my mum's currently dying. Um, and just facing all of that and having to lead worship a lot a lot of Sunday mornings yeah. and also stand next to my husband on a Sunday morning and and I cry my eyes out at the front of the church and sometimes I just say God please please do I have to why do I have to do this again and it's just a case of we're a family um we're a church family who've been through loads of ups and loads of downs together we laugh together we cry together and for your leaders 
to um, to express that and not be afraid to express that, I think is really important for the congregation. When I was putting the book together, I um, I did a survey of about 200 or so people from right across the country, all different denominations, all different types of church backgrounds, and yeah. I asked them what were the things that they thought made them wear masks most, but also what they thought would help them um, to be more authentic in, in their approach to life, particularly church life. And there, there was such a disconnect between what normal members of the congregation said and what church leaders said. The normal members of the congregation were saying to me, well, if my leaders modelled it, I'd find that so much easier. And the church leaders would say, I can't be totally open and honest and authentic yeah. because I'm a church leader. And there is a big disconnect there. I mean, you have to be wise. You don't want to stand up when you're about to lead worship or about to preach and just say, oh my goodness, I've had such an awful week and just blurt it all out. But there is a place for showing people that your life isn't 100% sewn up, that you don't have, um, you don't just sail through life with a sunny disposition constantly and just to to share how you deal with things because it shows them yeah. how they can deal with things as a Christian as well, but also that it's, it's fine for them to be open and honest when they have got questions, when they've got struggles Hmm. when they feel like it's time to lament rather than rejoice and there's that's something that I'm exploring um, in my head quite a lot at the moment because I'm a worship leader and there are so many laments in the psalms and yet most of our songs are just up and happy and this is one of my one of my books we need there's so few songs of lament yeah that you know and it's a real it's it's something that we should be doing sometimes you know sometimes it's right to lament you know and some, you know, in songs where we just want to cry out and ask, "What, what are you doing, God?" Mm. You know, and and there's, there's, there are any. I mean, there just aren't any. And that's one of the areas that I really struggle with worship. Mm. I can't really participate in in song worship anymore. Part of that's because of some of the theology behind the songs, but part of it is also because there's not much honesty in a lot of the songs. There's low. They, they don't feel true. You know, some of them don't feel true. Not just for me, but just generally, they don't feel, you know, it's like we're just trying to gloss over everything and make them like, oh God, isn't God great? Praise Him, you know. Um, I think it's a really tricky one, um, and I see it from both sides. From, um, and I do, I think when you come on a Sunday morning to lead a congregation into worship, you you kind of want them to take their eyes off themselves and fix their eyes on Jesus, um, but that's the point you should be at whether you're really enjoying life really feeling like you want to jump around and rejoice and if there's something really tragic going on in your life that you're really struggling with um, and it is hard when you're all together and you want to project um mm. some worship to god and it, i i can see why um worship sets don't put that many laments in uh, but i do think i think it's lacking and i i know in my own heart I actually, there was a um, a Sunday not that long ago that the worship leader picked an awful lot of hymns and those were the ones that really got to my heart, really got me where I was and it was just old trees. and But just things like um, knowing when I get to heaven, when this struggle is over um, and what it's going to be like and it was, I was just crying my eyes out thinking, well, that's where my mum is right now. Her body, she's she desperately wants to be with Jesus. Um, and that's hard for me, but actually I can see where she's at. Um, and I think there's quite a lot of the old hymns have got some great richness in their lyrics. Yes, they have. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, 
it is a tricky one, um, but I, at the moment where I'm at, I'm feeling like, yeah, I need a bit more lament in my worship. That's one of the reasons I love the Psalms, is because yeah. there's just so many laments in there. Like, And I didn't know this until I read, I did this thing with church where we just read a psalm a day for however long it took. And I'd read the psalms before, but somehow I'd forgotten. And I went through and I was like, wow, there's loads of laments in here. Mm. There's loads of... Um, oh, this is where are you, God? This is awful. I can't deal with this. What's going on? Like you know, a kind of really painful, achy. I can't remember. There's a there's a really high statistic of lament compared to yeah. There, I think there's, there yeah. There's more laments than praise. I think is, yeah. and and it's kind of like, oh, we're not alone. You know, and we never talk about. I never see a I never see a sermon on on the laments of the Psalms or lamentations or you know. There's just I mean, lamentations is one long kind of. Um, list of laments. It's like you know, it's in the people who put the Bible together clearly thought that it was important that we do this. You know, what I love and we about the Psalms do it enough, yeah. um, is that they do pour out. I mean, a lot of it is from David, isn't it? But pours out all of this. Where are you? I feel like I'm just a shriveled up. I just I can't go on. I'm great. My whole body is groaning. And there were there were particular Psalms when I was. Um, living at my parents on my own, not wondering, just wondering whether I had a life to go back to or not. Um, and it, they so resonated with my heart because they were exactly how I felt. Um, and yet, he always ends his psalms with, and yet I will praise you. However, mm. this is how I'm feeling, God. This is all of it, gut-wrenching honesty, and yet I will praise you. And, and that's where I feel like we need to be. Um, but I love the honesty in there. I mean, I really resonate with David. Um, I've always loved him as a character. I've actually written a Bible study um, guide to him because I just, yeah, I think he's great. And obviously, he made some of the same mistakes as me. Exactly. So. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say David is, David's a very human character. And um, and it, how lovely that yeah. he's still called a man after God's own heart. Yeah, exactly. And we forget this. And I think... Yeah. And I heard that one of the reasons that the ancestors of Jesus are listed at the start of Matthew, I think it's Matthew, isn't it, where his ancestors are listed, including David, is because they want to show that Jesus is not from a line of perfect people. Exactly. Well, that's why people um, like Rahab's in there, isn't it? Yeah. Prostitutes. So it's just so David's the, so Jesus' yeah. descendants are adulterers and yeah. you know and murderers and you know um, yeah. you know it's not <laughs> he hasn't got this kind of perfect bloodline where everyone was perfect before him you know um and i think and apparently that's why that was put in but mm. to show that to show that jesus is one of us mm. he's got the same kind of family history that a lot of us have you know um in many ways and yeah. um yeah david's one of my favorite characters as well um for the same reasons i just you know. i just think he was really honest and i just i think when he was called out um when nathan went to him and said this is what god's told me and you are that man um, his response as well, his heart attitude was right. He just very quick to repentance. It was like, okay, he screwed up, but when he realised that God knew it, and he knew he did it ultimately against God. Um, and so I just I love his honesty, but he's also so quick to repent when needed. Um, so I love that heart about him. And obviously, he's a real worshiper. But going back to the whole lament thing, I just um, a couple of years ago, I think it was, I just was felt really strongly. I head up the um, women's ministry in our church so we we do a book group um every month but we also try and get together 
probably only once a year, and then we go to other events at other churches and um, other points. But I felt a couple of years ago that I really needed to look at this whole area of how do we keep praising God through the pain of life. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've got a chapter that looks at this actually um, in my book, and we called it Praising Through the Pain, and I asked my mum to speak. Um, I asked another friend who um, has been through um, numerous miscarriages and also lost um, a sister-in-law to cancer and another friend who is um, she has one child but she's desperately longing for another and it hasn't happened and she's had a lot of physical pain and lived with physical pain for years Um, and it was just there was such um, a richness to just hearing from each of these women who have suffered over a long period of time and have remained faithful have remained praising I mean the the friend um, who had a lot of miscarriages she led worship right the way through that. She led worship once she'd lost her sister-in-law, and she's the one who taught me you, you can still worship even in this amount of pain. Um, mm. and, um, and afterwards, we just had such a wonderful open time of just praying with one another, and the amount of women who came up to me after and said, well, I've known those women for ages, but I never would have known they'd been through so much, and mm. I just I now really resonate with them in, in an even deeper way, that I feel I've got something in common with them, or... I'm seeing them in a whole new light now. And there's just something about when you open yourself up and show that you haven't got this completely rosy Mm. life and that you have got these deep struggles and yet God has taught you how to walk along with him. I mean, I don't think we're supposed to be pain-free, suffering-free. I think actually Mm. the way of the cross is a way of suffering. And I think God draws us much closer to him and, and and changes our characters through that suffering. But it doesn't make it easy, and as humans, we don't get it, and we can fight against it a lot, and we can question a lot, um, and we want to know all the answers. But I, don't, I think there's a lot of mystery that we are not going to understand until we get to heaven. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I mean, I've really discovered resurrection has taken on a whole new meaning for me, going through this stuff, working through my stuff, um, going into the dark places again, all that kind of thing. It, um, Resurrection has become actually less about Jesus being risen from the dead and actually more about walking through our pain and taking off the mask. Um, Actually, you know, going through the valley, actually confronting it, you know, um, the only, like going through it um, and then coming out of it. Mm. And when you come out of it, like for me, I'm, I'm. I'm sure this is the case with you as well. That you, you know that it's not always it's not always going to be rosy and perfect, even when you come through it. Mm. That there'll be other times where it's difficult and painful, and and where you get taken back there, like we talked about. Mm. Um, but you hope, but you go through that with open eyes, mm. and the lessons that you learned from the, going through it before mm. will help you the next time. Have you have you found that? Yeah, but, definitely. But I have to say, um, when, as you were talking, I was just reminded of. What it was, what it felt like to face all my friends again, all my church members, um, and actually to know that they knew the worst of what I was capable of, um, and actually to to still love me and still accept me. Obviously, we had to work through mm. the hurt that I'd caused, the hurt that I'd caused them and myself. But actually, even in that really difficult time, the freedom that I felt. And actually, when I go through difficulties now, I still, 
I'm still reminded of that freedom that actually just by keeping your mask off, however difficult things are, there is a real freedom and a a deep-seated joy that goes deeper and beyond the circumstances is not about whether you feel happy or not there's just there's something about that and I and I just yeah I think it's just it's the the authenticity and just knowing that you're connecting with God on a a a deeper level you're vulnerable enough to admit that okay I can see this as a time of struggling now I can be honest enough about this but I can be free to be honest about it. Mm. Um, and however hard this is, yeah. and there are so many th- issues that we deal with that are really tough in our lives, um, that I know I'm walking with you and I can I can be free to tell you how I'm doing. I can be free to listen to your advice, God. I can be free to, to see the way that you're showing me comfort through the way that my friends are reaching out to me. I can be free to see your wisdom and free to see when... I'm doing things that are hurting myself. I think mm. that the freedom is all caught up in so many different areas and sometimes it's through repentance. So there's all those different mm. strands. But definitely, yeah, I think just going through different things, you can see how your journey has moved on and how, yeah, how yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a, a wisdom over the years and a wisdom through suffering, I think, as well. Oh, there's certainly, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, <laughs> I feel like going through all the dark stuff, um, examining myself, and you know, going through that tunnel or valley, whatever you want to call it. Um, I feel like I've grown more, matured more, and deepened more in just as a person, but also in my spiritual journey, mm. more in like the last eight months, nine months than I had I had in the last five or six years because when you go down when you go to those places it's just like and everything's stripped away you have to confront everything and it's just yeah. raw and yeah. it's painful it and it's not easy you know um and i don't say anything glibly about that this that's that experience but it does yeah it does change you and it, you know and when you yeah there's a freedom when you come out of it mm. there is a real freedom but that the whole thing of confronting who you are and those deep places that you might have hidden actually i think some sometimes the person that we can be hiding from the most is ourselves yeah um and yeah yeah it's when god reveals things to us about ourselves and i think and, and you just sometimes it's so much a part of you that you just accept that that's who you are um uh, but sometimes mm. it's traumatic things that you just push down because you just can't face them and, and when god brings them to the forefront again to the surface to bring healing yes there is a lot of pain but there's release and healing through that as well isn't there um, yeah there is yeah um, definitely sounds like you've been doing a lot of deep work recently yes i have um i have i don't talk about it much publicly but mm. um you know there is a you know and i'll, I'll be writing about it um Great. in the future but um but yeah, the, the big, the big, the phrase that always comes to me is the only way out is through. You know, mm. it's the only. Way, there's no, there's no ways around the pain and dealing with your past. And you know, you can. You, and the masks that we use, like that's why this book is so great. Is the masks that we use are all the things that we use to cover that up. Mm. All the routines we get into, all the ways we train ourselves to, you know, numb stuff, mm. and we just start to think that's normal, and we don't. Yeah. And most people go through life and they don't realise, either they don't, well, they don't realise that they're putting on masks mm. and they don't deal with all this stuff. Right. You know, most people don't do that and they get to their, their 70s or whatever, you know, 
Um, and they've still got loads of these issues, but they've never dealt with them. They've never seen them. And it's almost too late when you get to that age, in a sense. You know, I know people in my family who've got, who are, you know, in their 70s, and they, I know they've still got issues they've not dealt with, but it's almost kind of too late, in a way. Because they don't, they don't, first, they don't even see it in the first place. And you can't deal with issues unless you know they're there. Mm. And then you've got to want to deal with them. And it takes a lot of it takes a lot of emotional energy to go through them. And when you're that age, you don't have as much yeah. emotional energy yeah. or energy full stop. So it's more difficult. And it's kind of tragic because um, I'm really glad that I've done this work. And you've done it clearly as well, you know. And, you know, when you do that work, there's a lot of freedom that comes on the other side. It is, other side. It is hard work at times. I can remember when we were, um, once we got back together, we were having regular counselling and they'd always set us really soul-searching homework um and we got to point it's just such hard work i can't do this anymore um and yeah Mm. it's it's so important and getting those foundations back in right um was just absolutely vital um and i i actually i i think i say um early on in the book that actually i just my prayer is that for for those people reading it who don't think that they wear a mask that god will reveal to them through the book um, because we all do to a certain extent. Mm. And I, I've included some personal reflective questions because I, I realise this is my own personal journey, although I've had some wonderfully brave and courageous friends who've allowed me to share bits of their story. Um, so our, our a mutual friend, Louise, um, had a, a huge yes. battle with people-pleasing and mm. um, desperately seeking um, approval from her father. Um, and that affected the way that she related to God. Um, and I hadn't had that exact same experience. And I just said, mm. well, do you, are you happy to share that? Just because I think it adds a richness to the book that other people will connect to. And she was, it was fabulous. She wrote it brilliantly. Um, and I think it was a release for her as well. But I've, I've added in some little reflective questions at the end of chapters, just because I think people need to be able to relate the subject matter to their own lives. Yes. And just to actually do yes. a bit of soul searching. If they take the time... It will be uncomfortable sometimes. It will be challenging sometimes, but it will also be encouraging. And hopefully, yeah. I mean, I've had a friend already said, I've started reading the book and I've realised some things that I haven't dealt with for years. I had another friend, um, we were preparing a women's breakfast together. And so I shared one of the chapters while I was in the process of writing it because I thought it was pertinent. And she asked me to go and see her and said, I'm going to tell you something I've never told anybody before. And she came through to freedom in that area as well. And I just wow. That's, that, that's why I've written the book. It's not because I want to promote my shameful past. It's because I want to help yeah, people. Absolutely, yeah. um, and I don't feel shame, ashamed about it. I mean, if somebody asked me, I did a, a Facebook Live event last Friday, and somebody asked me, are you worried about oversharing? Um, I'm not. Um, I, do, I know I need to protect my family, and I've only shared what my husband's happy for me to share. And I know at some point I will need to talk to my kids as they get older about the things that they can easily read in my book. Um, but I don't feel ashamed of it anymore because God's taken that shame away. I've repented, it's dealt with, it's in my past, it's years ago, we've had healing. But he he really did impress on my heart a few years ago, you need to start sharing this because it's going to bring freedom to other people. Um, mm. And obviously this is about marriage and we've had quite a few people pick up on it um, regarding the fact that there aren't that many resources out there for people that are really struggling in their marriages and it, and it's great to talk about that kind of stuff but actually for anybody I mean that there are the basic issues that I deal with are things that, I mean I think we are all scared of what other people think of us 
And that's one of the biggest issues that I deal with in here. We're all scared of rejection. We all have had disappointments in our lives. Uh, we've all felt shame and guilt. So there are things that, that I go through as I go through the book um, and journey with it and look at those reasons behind why we wear masks. And it doesn't matter if you haven't had a difficult marriage. It doesn't matter if you're single, married, divorced. There are things in here that these are universal issues that we all struggle with. And we all put those masks up to hide the pits of us that we don't want other people to see. Um, so my prayer is that, although my journey is obviously my way into writing about it, mm. my prayer is that it will help a lot wider group yeah. of people than just married couples. Yeah, I was going to say, that's my next question. Like, what is, what is kind of the big takeaway that you would hope that people would, make, would take from, this, from reading your book? What's the one thing that you really hope people can that, grasp onto and kind of put into practice? That they're not alone, that everybody struggles, and it's not a weakness to admit it. it. Actually, when you admit it, there'll be somebody next to you who will think, thank goodness I'm not alone and will also open up. We all have these struggles, and we're just so tight-lipped about them, and we just go on a Sunday morning and sing our happy praise songs and look mm. tidy and neat, and it's not reality and I know um, in smaller groups which is why I think small groups life groups are so vital because that's when you get to really know people and do life together um, and I know on a Sunday morning it can be quite rushed but actually mm. we can perpetuate the myth that everything's rosy everything's wonderful and make people feel that they have to keep those masks up because they look around and think well nobody else seems to be struggling so I've just got to keep my mouth shut which is what we did for years so just you're not alone and don't be afraid to, to speak out, to, to share, to say, I need some help, I need a bit of support, to lower that mask enough that somebody else can see in, and hopefully they will do the same, and there'll be a, a depth of friendship that can grow out of that as well, but also a depth of support, mm. and, and a spiritual growth as well, because God can't help us if we're not admitting that there's anything wrong. Yes, absolutely. That's be that's a, oh wow, that's wonderful. Um I think that's a great way to end as well. Um, just that kind of that there is hope. I think that Definitely. you know that when you confront this stuff, that mm. you don't have to have fear about it, and mm. um, that, that nobody's alone. And I think what's so what I find so beautiful is that God has uh, has brought so much. He's redeemed my mistakes and brought so much beauty out of it. Um, mm. and, and that I think is an incredible thing for us to remember as well. That God's grace brings beauty out of mess. Out of brokenness. Yes, <laughs> yes, it sounds a lot like my book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know we've got a lot of similar themes between us in the kind of yeah, writing. Yeah, no, that's yes. true. Yeah, <laughs> so um, so how can people just just um, just at the end, how people how can people connect with you and find your work and things? Okay, um, so my website is www.clairemusters.com. Um, so I I try and be on there as much as I can, but um, I yeah I don't get on there enough, but I do try and do a regular blog on there. Um, I'm obviously also on Facebook and Twitter, um, C Musters on Twitter. Um, I'm, you can find me on Premier Christianity um, doing blogs, podcasts, and I write in their magazine as well. But also on my website, uh, clairemusters.com, you can, you can buy my book if you want to straight from me. Obviously, it's on places like Eden and Amazon as well. And as I forgot to say on my own Facebook Live, from your local Christian bookshop, if you've got one nearby, go and ask them to stock it if they don't but hopefully they have got it as well because I know that, um, my publisher team has been out really working hard to get them out into Christian bookshops so hopefully you can find them there as well great awesome thank you Claire 
Thanks thank for sharing. Thank you very answer. much for having me. It's been great to chat. No, no, it's been yeah, it's been. I think yeah, I think this message will be a yeah great source of hope to a lot of people. So thank I you. Okay, so that's it for this week, everyone. I um, hope you've been as blessed by this as I have. Um, yeah, and we'll catch you all next week. <laughs>